This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Cool, let's just do it one more time. Why? Because we love making movies. Hey, everybody. I'm Aaron Bolo, and welcome to my podcast, Because We Love Making Movies. Today, we're sitting down with a costume designer who's worked in film and television. Her credits include Dog Eat Dog, Beach Rats, First Reformed, Hereditary, Tiger Tail, Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always, and the hugely anticipated TV series, Why the Last Man. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome the woman whose fault it is that I'll never look at a red oversized hoodie again without feeling terror and dread, Olga Mill. Welcome, Olga. Hi. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you for doing this. Sorry about the... Um... Uh, really put those hoodies out of work for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we will get to that. We will get to Charlie's hoodies in Hereditary. Uh, so when I talked to Grace, to your colleague, Grace Yun, um, you know, she told me that even as a, you know, even as a little girl, she would draw on the walls and the sheets and upholstery and in her own bedroom, she would move furniture around and kind of imagine scenarios. And, and I was like, oh, well, you were art directing when you were, you were production designing when you were a little kid. And I'm just, I'm just curious, you know, were you, were you also sort of a subconscious costume designer as a little girl or, or did, did, is this something you found later in life or how did you, how did you find your way to becoming a costume designer and a filmmaker? Hmm. It's funny, there's like, um, as you were talking, something just came to mind, like there's this sort of step-by-step -step route in terms of like, I got into like community theater when I was a kid, and then I went to a performing arts high school. And so I kind of came into it through performing oh, as like yeah, a teenager. I, I'd love to hear about that. I mean, how did you, so were you always want, you always wanted to perform when you were, when you were small? You know, I think it was more like, like I just I remember like being taken to theater shows as a kid and I was just like super seduced by it. And mm -hmm. I think that just performing was the only like part that I saw. And so I didn't really understand that there was like other aspects to it. Right. right. So that's kind of what drew me into it. And I think it's been like really helpful as a costume designer in terms of like the actor connection, but Something that just came to mind as you were chatting and, and talking about Grace, too, is I think like, so my family moved from the Ukraine to the States when I was oh. five. And I think um, part of like the impulse of was like a costume designer, I think in, in a, like, I had a really strong pull towards like assimilating and I feel mm -hmm. like I, I mean, I was so young, I can't say it was like so difficult, but I, I remember being very aware of like seeing people in kindergarten and being like, okay, that's like that type of girl. This is this type of girl, like which kind of American girl do I want to be? <laughs> and I think wow. clothing was like 
now that I think about it, like very much a part of that, right? Like how to Mm -hmm. read the room, decode who everyone's playing, and then like how to cast yourself in whatever role you want to be. I think I like understood the like power of looking the part, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I'm my father is from Turkey. He moved here from Turkey when he was in his 20s and met my mom in Buffalo, New York, and we and I ended up when I was 1 years old moved to a they 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 moved to a small town in the Midwest and I always had this funny name, you know, Aaron Jellabolo that nobody could pronounce. You know, my dad used to say, "Oh, it's easier if you say Bola Jello." And I was like, "Thanks, dad. They're going <laughs> to They're like they're, they're going to bullying yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, they're going to they're going to stuff me in a locker the minute you leave. Uh and I remember doing the same thing that you just talked about which was like, okay, there's those are skaters and those are rockers and wow, rockers look pretty cool, but I don't listen to rock music yet. And I would I would I, I definitely feel exactly what you're talking about in terms of like discovering identity and even learning about people, I guess, uh through the clothing that they wore. Um and now were your parents in the arts or or were they what did what did your parents do? No, my um my mom is um an accountant and my dad is a contractor. So they were always like like they took us to the theater and they took us to the museum and stuff and I had an nice. older sister who was like into art. So I think that was kind of my way into it, but but no, it wasn't like in terms of like a career in the arts or doing it um definitely feels like new territory yeah. like there wasn't like a path that was laid out you know what I mean you said you went to a performing arts school so what what was that like um it was you know you know how like certain memories like like continue to shape shift during different mm-hmm. parts of your life yes <laughs> like, yes um, yes so it was LaGuardia High School. It was like the school that that movie Fame is based on in New York. Oh my god! <laughs> wow. Um, and uh, there's times I look back on that experience and I'm like, oh, it was awesome. Like it was a really good environment, like socially. Like there mm-hmm. wasn't a sort of like a hierarchy. I mean, yes, there were kids that were cooler and not cooler, but in general, like mm-hmm. it wasn't cool to be cruel. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes, like yes, the yeah. culture was, was, um, really accepting. Uh, it also like, I grew up in Bensonhurst in Brooklyn and like just having a reason to go like to Lincoln center every day and making friends with kids that like lived all over the city Also, I think because it was like, it's a public school, so it's free, but it's like a prestigious school. It just had like all different kind of kids, like in terms of like socioeconomically, racially, like what your parents did. Mm -hmm. So like, I think socially it was really good for me. It just kind of like cracked my world open a lot. At the same time, like I think very quickly I was sort of turned off by like the performance aspect of it, you know? Mm. I mean, like it's like a Christopher Guest movie, like in a (laughs) high school drama department, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like putting a bunch of like 15 year olds in a room and like making them do like Tennessee Williams plays and like (laughs) making it like, 
um, you know, like the weird part of acting classes that are like group therapy sessions is like, and you'd have to do it. Like, it was like you had three hours of like different acting classes a day. It was all just like that part of it is a little strange. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's very intense. It seems so. I mean, it seems like you literally were in like a little junior Juilliard-esque type thing, you know, at least uh, in terms of how, I don't know, how serious they might've been about it. Well, that's the thing. It was like, it was serious until very quickly it wasn't. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no. Tell me. What do you, what well, do you mean? I just mean like, you're like, you're like 15, 16 years old. Do you know what I mean? Okay. I and see. Like the context. Like, walk, yeah. The context. Then like, it, it just sort of oscillated between these like really serious classes where I don't think it would fly now, but someone being like, I just don't think you have what it takes to make it in commercials. Do you know what I mean? And then like walking around the room and like pretending to be a bowl of spaghetti. Like I think as like a young kid, I very quickly was like, this doesn't feel good. Or I don't think this is like for me, but you had to like put together your own costumes and sets. And in some ways, like the costume part of it felt like the path of least resistance in a way, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. like it felt like, um, uh, a safer space. I don't know if it was just like taking those classes at that time. Like it was like an overload and vulnerability or something. Sure. Um, yeah. At the same time, it was also like a lot of it was baloney. You know what I mean? It was like smoking sure. hot in the bathroom and like taking a mime <laughs> class. Like it wasn't all that serious. Oh my! <laughs> okay, I don't. That sounds that sounds horrible. I'm sorry. That <laughs> yeah, you know, like that's what I mean. It was like very like tragedy comedy all mixed into like one basement department. <laughs> um, Anyway, so that was my my high school experience. And then from there, I like went to college for like a very prestigious theater tech. <laughs> um, I'm okay. just joking. I feel like that's always like the joke on on 30 Rock is about her having a theater tech degree. Oh, I'm um, so sorry. I, I, I'm not, I, you caught me off guard. I, I didn't, yeah, I, I don't even know that cut. I need to, <laughs> I need to, no, I need to revisit it. It's all good. It's just like, um, you know, you did like uh, scenery and costumes. And so I just sort of like kept going down, down that path from there. And do you remember, I mean, when you even sort of realized that that was something you could do? I mean, was it in high school or was it when you were kind of looking at colleges and you were like, oh, wow, I could, I can, I can do, I can do this or, or how did it, did it, was it just sort of happenstance? I kind of remember in high school having like a very, like, like, you know, certain thoughts that feel like a little bit from like outside your head, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And it was just like, oh, I could do costumes. And at that point, it was very much like in theater, like anything like films and movies felt like super far away and, and like a unattainable like right. thing to penetrate. But at that point, like theater had become more like of a comfortable space and I don't know I just like I I can't like consciously say what connected those dots right but I was like oh I could do costumes and like felt like I don't know that just made sense Mm -hmm. to me 
And what was, what, I mean, do you remember sort of like the first, uh, uh, I don't know, production that you costume designed or, or sort of like your first, uh, when you felt like, okay, this, I know, I sort of know what I'm doing, or I, I know that I could, uh, this is something I love, I love doing, you know? <laughs> I I'll know what I'm doing front. I'm like, I'm still waiting. Right, that right, right. No, that's why, right. That's, <laughs> that's why I rephrased the question. Cause I don't <laughs> yeah. think, I know everyone's always like, every job is a custom job, you know? <laughs> I I remember doing like productions in undergrad that I like I I just remember like taking everything super seriously. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like every opportunity or every assignment was a real like this is a make it or break it. Um but I I don't think actually I think it happened in grad school to be honest. I think in like I remember doing like productions in undergrad like the importance of being earnest but all of that felt like um I don't I feel like I was just like crawling around in the dark like none of it actually Mm -hmm. felt like a interpretation of like my take on a story yet or it didn't really feel like an execution of something or like oh man that collaboration was like really juicy you know right yeah 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 i do yeah um well because it's like that i think it's an idea maybe where you go you have an idea when you're starting a creative project you're like okay i'm gonna do this and then you get to the end of it you go i did not do that and (laughs) you know what and then and then you there's at at some point 10 tries later or whatever many tries later you you finally kind of achieve what was maybe in your head you know and then that's that that's when you go oh okay maybe i can do this you know totally and there was there was like little morsels of that like the first Mm -hmm. time whatever that you draw a sketch and then somebody builds it and you like see it through the building process. Like, I think there's like, there's a little bit of like a, a ego power trip to that. You know what I mean? Where you're like, Oh, it was in my mind and now it's in the world. Like there's something that is um, like, I think maybe that was my first like little taste of it, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what's the first movie that you end up, that you end up doing and how do you end up getting that job? Um, so let's see, I just to like rewind back a little bit. I like, uh, I went to grad school at NYU and that was still like all theater pretty much. Um, I took a year off in between undergrad and and grad school. And then in grad school, I think I had kind of what you were asking about before, which was this production. It was like a Tony Kushner play that they had never done before that we did at NYU. And that was all like 1840s period stuff. And it was like also this really like exciting material so that's when I think like to answer your earlier question of like, what yeah. was the first project where you were like, yeah, oh shit, you really like did it a little bit on that, you know? Right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that, I mean, that, that I think that speaks to a lot of the films and projects you seem to have worked on later is that it's the material is such like a jumping off point for mm-hmm firing your imagination, right? Because it's like when you do get a great script in front of you, it must be a completely different experience than, you know, uh, like what, do you remember any of the costumes from that Tony Kushner production that you were like, wow, this is so, this is so juicy. This is. It was all like, um, 
sort of factory workers in in, uh, in England in the 1840s. And I remember there was like one character that was all, she was a Luddite and we made her be sort of, all of her things were found and knitted and we like built it and dyed it. And that felt really, um, I felt like that was the first time where something wasn't like explicitly in the script, but I was like, oh, this oh. would like look different if somebody else had done it, if that makes sense. You yes, know? Ab- absolutely. It was your interpretation of it. Yeah. And, and, and I felt like it was successful and that felt really good. Um, but in, you know, and I had done some like little short films in school mm-hmm. um, cause I had started to like, I don't know, get pulled more towards towards film mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and away from theater a little bit. And so I had really just been doing like shorts until I did um, Dog Eat Dog. Wow. I know. And like Grace, I, yeah. Yeah. That's so crazy. Cause that's kind of like your first, to have a first, first film be with Paul Schrader is kind of nuts. <laughs> it was really nuts. It was really nuts. It was like incredibly <laughs> lucky it was also like super scary. Like I had been assisting. So I was like assisting on like big TV shows and like doing little shorts. And I'd like gone to help a friend make a movie that never really ended up happening. But like mm-hmm. that was the first one that was like, oh, like like there's adults involved. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, for people who don't know, Paul Schrader wrote Taxi Driver. You know, he he directed films like uh uh, uh you know, um obviously First Reform, but but American Gigolo, which I which I would love to talk to you about because it's like represents me one of the great costume designed movies of all time, even though it's Armani. But for so if you, for you to go from like short films, and I guess just to back up a little bit before we get to Doggy Dog, when you first started doing short films, what was it like to go from stage productions and designing for stage, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, there's a camera, there's lighting, there's this is a different. It was did it feel different at all or, or not? It felt like I felt very like naked technically. Like I just I I I did feel like the character thoughts the sort of talking to an actor talking to the the director reading a script that is all like easy transition Mm -hmm. but just the sort of technicality of like needing multiples on something that's going to get blood on it right like I just didn't know you know yeah 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 and I really just didn't know and like no one, I think like from a few experiences of really like being caught with my pants down of like not having the thing, you know, <laughs> and then like learning the importance of like a buddy system and having a friend, another designer or somebody that you feel comfortable being like, what do I do? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like I remember going on a, a shoot for a short film and they were like cutting up this deer and I just didn't have multiples on it. Like I just didn't know, like now it feels like so irresponsible mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we made it work. Cause it's like, no one really knew what they're doing, but right. But there's so many things that was funny. Like NYU was, was brilliant from the, I think like, um, sort of like talking about ideas and and talking about a script and all of that. But from a film perspective, there was just things I like didn't know that are super basic, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. 
And so that's why, like, I think then, like, assisting was really helpful because then I was sort of like, oh, okay, like, I can kind of observe and see how, like, the sausage is made, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but still, like, then going off to do a movie with Paul, also with, like, Nicolas Cage and Willem <laughs> Dafoe, was, like, in retrospect wild you know yeah i was really nervous i'll be really honest i was super um nervous about it and so just to talk about it i guess from you know what were your first meetings like with with paul and then and then what was it like to do because i imagine you did sort of proper film fittings with you and the actor you know and maybe the director is there for the fitting so what what was what were how did you sort of proceed you know being being so new to it i think like um well my first meetings with paul were um you know we like met at a coffee shop and i think at that point he had like talked to grace about me and our mutual friend Andrew and I think like what's really beautiful about Paul is he's like a risk taker you know Mm -hmm. and he certainly took a risk um hiring some like he could have hired a lot of other people you know Mm -hmm. we just sat and chatted a little bit about the script and it was kind of brief you know like that initial one-on-one meeting Mm -hmm. and then um I think something that's like cool that I observed about the way he works is I don't know what his like internal struggle is, but outwardly it's, you know, it doesn't feel like um, an agonizing pained decision. It's just like, okay, you should do this. You know what I mean? Or yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is what we're going to do. And, and um, I think I like, I'm not, I was lucky for that opportunity in terms of like, I think that obviously like opened a lot of doors, you know, and, and because of Paul, but also just as like a collaborator, it kind of set the bar Hmm. really high Yeah. in that. um, I think he just like loves making movies. (laughs) So there's a certain, at least from like a design collaboration standpoint like a certain confidence Mm -hmm. in that this is what we're gonna do or like you tell me what I don't know what we should do you do whatever you think is best it it isn't so you know when you get into a creative process that feels like anguished you know Mm -hmm. yeah 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 absolutely Um, and there wasn't there wasn't that and so I don't know I I I've come to like want those kind of collaborations too. Yeah. And did he seem, I mean, it, it, did it, it's, did it seem like he was actually sort of more free than you might expect a director of that stature and, and, you know, to be in terms of allowing you to do what, you know, what he sort of hired you to do. Right. I mean, it feels like a guy like that would trust you uh, totally. as opposed to, right. Right. That's so cool. Yeah, totally. Like he wasn't in any of the fittings. Oh, wow. Like, okay. I think, um, you know, at that point, like I had connected, like, like, yes, it was my first movie and like totally spooky. But at that point, I also like understood how a fitting should run and all of that sure. stuff. And um, 
I also at that point just learned to do like what we talked about before, which is like mm. call anyone and everyone that you know that could like give you advice or help mm-hmm. about things. Yeah. Um, yeah. But those fittings, like I remember the fitting with Nick was like really fast and everything was like, cool. You like it? Good. It was like painless and he was really like down for what Paul and I talked about. And then like the fittings with Willem were really special. Like they, he was very patient because his character was really specific and it did take me a long time to, to find the right thing, you know? And just as like a person I don't know if he could, if he sort of read the room and was like, okay, cool. You're like smart, but super green. And I'm going to be really patient and kind (laughs) with you. But, you know, or we were just like, well, we're in Cleveland. There's not much else to do. But we really had like long fittings and conversations about things. And he was like that perfect combination that I feel like I've learned to like value in other people and try to, I don't know, have in myself, which is like being really open, but really decisive. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a really like, well said, well said. That's, that's like the perfect way to say it. Right. It's like some people can be really like, I know what I want and I think this is what it is. And like, just help me get there. And you're like, cool. And then some people are really like, I don't know, it could be anything. Let's try it. Let me try oh, it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think having that like really good balance of being totally open, right? Like you, somebody brings something to the table and being like, this is not how I imagined it at all, but I'll try it. Mm -hmm, And then mm -hmm. being able to really quickly with no ego being like, you know what, you are right. There is Mm -hmm. something to this or like, no, my instincts are right. It doesn't work, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, that's the like recipe that's the like cake mix you know Mm -hmm. i guess how do you just to use it as jumping off point like how do you start when you get a script in terms of do you sort of try to really respond to the material as if you know emotionally or are you looking at it more from like okay here's the story and here are the characters and i'm going to try to maybe potentially you know approach it maybe more as kind of a you know from a nuts and bolts practical you know standpoint you know how do you how do you generally like to start when you when you read a script I usually uh, like read it once without like taking notes or anything and then do like this is a real like theater geek exercise still Mm -hmm. (laughs) is like then do a real like emotional response visually to it. Oh, yeah. And so that just means like, you know, I used to do it in like collage form, but now it's just like, I'll do it hunting and gathering images Uh online for a couple of hours. And then, you know, you put together a collage or lookbook. That's just like, some things are just like a visual uh, or an emotional response. It's not like A to B Mm. to C, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I try to, connect to the material like on a personal level or emotionally mm-hmm. um i think the then like the clothing comes like secondary like that stuff will all come but mm-hmm. i find like especially initially having a conversation with a director or a conversation with myself about the script like it's 
it's more fruitful to first get on the same page mm-hmm. about like what this is about and like why are we doing this and like mm-hmm. what's had like connect to it emotionally mm-hmm. um because then you know like once you start searching for what the actual clothes are they're always like s- serving that purpose if that makes sense you know yeah, abs- yeah absolutely absolutely that totally makes sense yeah. i also feel like it get it's like um you know i just had a meeting about something the other day and it was it was beautiful we did talk about like textures and fabrics but it was more like how that stuff feels on your skin you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But i also think it's like um anytime you're having like a conversation with somebody you just like we're doing now like you want to connect to each other you know so if you yeah. get too into like the the meat of it like the clothes right away mm-hmm. you i just like assume when i'm talking to somebody they're gonna they'll know that i can figure that part out like right let's right. connect to it um just as like two people talking about something we could potentially fall in love with you know right yeah yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. When, and when, um, one more craft question, I guess, is like, when do you yeah. actually start sketching? You know, when do you start start you know putting sort of sketches for ideas for clothing down on paper? Um, usually, like once I'm like on a job, I'll read the script again, and then again, I start first with like um, usually with like research and collage. And then once you have those images that you sort of are kind of instinctively being like, this feels right, this doesn't, this feels right, this doesn't, this feels right, Mm -hmm. this doesn't. Mm -hmm. Once you have those that all feel right, then um, I'll sit down and try to do like sometimes like really quick and dirty sketches that maybe nobody ever sees. But I have found, and then like later I'll go back and I'll make them beautiful and I'll be like, here's my process, you know, (laughs) after it's done. Um, But I think doing those like quick ones sometimes, like it forces you to connect like intuitively to what you think it should be. Like Mm -hmm. it's really easy to be like, I'm not sure I'm going to like wait till the fitting or I'm going to wait to see, like I'm going to try a bunch of different things. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it just forces you to like, it's almost like a mental meditative exercise more than like the sketch because Mm. you're just trying to ask yourself, like, is it this or this? You have to decide right now. You know, it's like putting the gun to your head a little bit Mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. the sketch form about like making some, some early decisions and then like, you know, doing the Willem thing of trying to be really open, but really decisive once you like actually get into the, into the fitting room. So I would say early on. And I love that you kind of allow yourself to sort of do it with the door closed, you know, for, for you before you kind of share that with, with anybody. So it's like, there's sort of your process and then you invite someone into, you know, you, you sort of share your process along the way. That seems like a really, it's both sort of personal and serves the story too. Totally. I also like, I found it really helpful to like, once I have my boards for the character and the director and I are on the same page, like I'll send that to the actor really ahead of time, even like weeks out before they might land or we Mm -hmm. have our fitting. 
And I'll send those boards to the actor with like either a little paragraph about my thoughts or setting up a time to talk. Mm-hmm. And that's like, um, I mean, that serves a few purposes. I think it, one, you just are like connecting with the actor as a person. So you're just mm-hmm. gaining each other's trust a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's not like the first time you meet, you're like, hi, nice to meet you. Come in here, take yeah. your clothes off and let's pick out something for you to wear <laughs> that millions of people are going to see, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and it, and it like, that's part of the like creative process because they'll have initial thoughts and ideas and things like that. And, and you get, a little bit of their their vibe but really you're just like creating a relationship so Mm -hmm. that you're not then later trying like I think trying to make a good impression is like the most um like it can be a real hindrance you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um yeah and so it's nice to like get that out of the way so that quicker you can be like hey can we try something stupid could we try something that might be really dumb you know what i mean yeah yeah absolutely it's almost like trying to make i guess i don't know feels like sort of no impression at first and then the impression you know then the impression kind of builds and forms in the way it should as opposed to like it's finished you know <laughs> like- yeah totally i think like <laughs> it's really helpful for like that relationship with an actor and a costume designer I think to be like, you definitely want to be the one steering the ship for people to feel comfortable and confident in your choices, Mm -hmm. but it's nice to like bring people in before everything is totally congealed. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's Mm -hmm. not like they're just like, like they're a full person and a whole soul and a creative ideas that are happening. And then Mm -hmm. you're not just trying to like plug them into this machine that like Mm -hmm. you and the director and the production designer and everyone's been talking about. And then it's like, just plug them in and hope that works or, or it really doesn't. And everyone has to change gears. I think if you invite them in really early on and you're like, this is like what we're thinking and where we're headed. Like, what Mm -hmm. do you think? I don't know. It's just a smoother process. Yeah. And I think people, just for like people to understand, you know, your relationship with actors is, is I'd say the only other person who has as close a relationship as a cinematographer, because it's not just that the camera is right there with the actor doing it, but you're also, you're so intimately involved in what they're wearing, how they're becoming the character. You know what I mean? It's, it's so personal and so intimate in terms of a, both a physical and a creative relationship. Like there's this great story about that Wes Anderson tells about working on Grand Budapest and they had this suit for Ray Fiennes and they just put him in it, right? And he showed up, I guess they hadn't really had time to talk to him in advance. And he all of a sudden said, please clear the room. I would like to speak to my director. <laughs> he said, he said, in this, in this suit, I feel, I feel it's a straight jacket. It's a straight jacket. I need to, I need to be able to fly West. I need to be able to dance. And he just, he fully like kind of read him the riot act of like, listen, I wear this, you know, so you got to consider me. You can't just put me in the suit. And I think what you're saying like proves that a little bit, you know? Totally. And I'm sure that was like, like my heart goes out to that day on set. That must've been like, <laughs> really fucking stressful am i allowed to curse yeah yeah absolutely yeah Yeah, it's the Um, internet it's the internet it's the internet oh okay okay great now it's it's all good no that must have been really really fucking stressful my heart like breaks for them on set that day you know and i'm sure they figured it out but it's like 
Um, I, I think I also like, I get it, you know what I mean? And I, I think like in some ways I've learned like my strong suit is like, is, is dealing with people, I think in, in like, uh, in an intimate, vulnerable way, you know, like mm -hmm. I think different designers bring different things to the table, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and it's also part of it that I really enjoy, you know, you're like part therapist and confidant and also so true, like, yeah. and, and also you're both like, you know, you read a script and you're thinking about this character and then it's like meeting when you meet the actor, it's like, they've also been thinking about this character. So then you guys can like gossip as if you like met the same weird person at a party, you know, like there's yeah. immediately like a commonality that I think if you tap into is like super fun, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's such, it's kind of, I don't know. It's, it's like a, not to be too corny about it, but it is like a secret relationship because it's like, okay, everyone leave the, you know, it's like you and them with the clothing and the idea that they're, you know, they're going into the dressing room and the whole thing. It's, it's very, there's a, there's a, such a compartmentalization that's so cool, you know, of, of you guys getting to come together and, and dream something up together. And then obviously you, you end up working with everybody else on the film, but I just think it's like, it's, it's a really unique part of your craft that I think is so kind of unappreciated to a certain degree. Yeah. I mean, it, it should be, I think, I think a lot of that is gendered too, you know, like it's sort of more, um, has to do with like emotional work, mm -hmm. right. That mm -hmm, is like, mm -hmm traditionally thought of as like feminine you know like being able to deal with somebody's emotions and like getting them ready and getting them on board and all of that stuff mm -hmm. um but I think there's also like the other element of that is like whatever my relationship is to like an actor is like really intimate but it always is like serving whatever the director and I have like agreed on, sure, you know? Sure, 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 Like sure, I think sure. that like part of my job too is to sort of, what if the director and I are like super on the same page, you know, if, if the character feels like it's slightly going in a different direction in a fitting, I feel like it's also my responsibility to then talk to the director right away mm -hmm, <laughs> and be mm -hmm, like, Hey, mm -hmm, this sure. is the vibe I'm getting from this. But like, um, and I don't want, like, I feel like the word like manipulative is really bad, but there is a certain level of like, right. Of um, steering that happens. That's like in service of whatever, like the director and I have like thought was best too. Absolutely. Abs it absolutely makes yeah. sense. And I don't, I don't think it's, I mean, I don't think it's manipulation. It's almost that like, you know, the best, I, I heard somebody say the best direction is questions, right? It's like, you know, you know, you probably know the answer, you know, but you just want to pose it to them and or whoever that may be, the director or the designer or the whatever. And then a lot of times they're going to arrive at the same place. It's just allowing them to do it in their way mm -hmm. is a freeing thing. You know, particularly I think people bristle so hard in the creative world about being like, just do it, you know, just do this thing that I want you to do. And immediately people's defenses are up, right? It's like, so it is trying to figure out how to how to get everybody making the same movie, right? I mean, that's like, yeah. Yeah, and and also like do that in a way that's like 
leaves everybody not feeling like shit. Yes, yes, it should be fun. It should really right. be fun. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, you know, or inspiring. Rather, you know, fun may, might be the wrong word, but I think so. I mean, I do. Like inspiring. There's also like I think costumes has so much to do with like I don't know, actors self-image too, and that's been like a really toxic space sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. how do you like treat people like human beings mm-hmm. and make sure that like they and I think maybe like that they're on board but also like feel good about what they have to do you know Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. maybe I've been like lucky and that I've never really worked with anyone that was like a vanity monster you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. everyone is usually like if you really explain where you're coming from I also think like when actors are really good like they're down for the cause you know yes (laughs) and if you really like explain it you know intellectually you explain where it's coming from then people are on board but but really trying to make that space not this like dreaded Mm -hmm. thing on anybody's like uh day where it's like oh i have i have to go into this room and i have no say in 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 what happens you know yeah yeah, absolutely. Totally. And I guess, so let's, let's talk a little about your relationship with directors too, because I, I wanted to kind of start with Beach Rats a little bit because I think it's such a great movie. And also I love that it's, it's like a neorealist movie. So it's a very different thing from a lot of the work you've done, which is either period or, or, you know, maybe more of a kind of classical filmmaking, like hereditary to a certain degree, which is very designed. And so like, how did you, first of all, how did you get the job to do, to do Beach Rats? And cause it's in, and, and also like, how did you sort of skate that line of, okay, this isn't supposed to necessarily look like a movie, you know, it's, you know, going for sort of a realism and a naturalism. It's very neorealist. So how did, how did you kind of, you know, uh, approach that? Well, it was, I remember, I think I got the script like through my agent at the time and also Grace was doing it Mm -hmm. and we had worked together. And then I met Eliza, like at a coffee shop and we connected right away because we both like grew up in Brooklyn. And I grew up not far from like the neighborhood that Beach Rats is is shot in. So there was like a familiarity there right away. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think for her, it was like, oh, you've worked with Grace, you know, the neighborhood, like you're cool. We can chat. Yeah. I I don't want to speak for Eliza, but I would imagine that was (laughs) part of it. Um, And then also I think like – Maybe because that movie was also like non-actors yeah, mostly, yes. you know, yeah. except uh, except for Harrison. But like, I think maybe it was such a contrast from going from like Nicolas Cage and Willem yeah. Dafoe to like yeah. these kids from from like Sheepshead Bay. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But it was about like I think Eliza's like really um, intent on making sure that her cast feels really comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think that's partly where like I learned some of that or I like learned to value that so much mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that like these people are going to do their best work if they're really comfortable. Um, and the movie is like, it's, you know, it's a lot of tank tops. It's like, yeah, 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 like, yeah. Like, well, that's what dance I mean. It's... Sequence, it's not, it's like, it's just like, it's a lot of tank tops. Um, but it it's like, it was, it took, it, it's weird. It's like you try on one thing and you can't tell why that one is the right gray tank top and it's not this V-neck shirt. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you just sort of like, 
there's still like design decisions to be made within those parameters. And I guess for the for listeners, quickly tell us what the tell us what the movie is about, really quickly. Um, it's about a a young man in um, living in Sheepshead Bay, Brooklyn, and it's a really kind of um, super macho environment. Um, and he is uh, sort of having a secret life and identity of meeting men online. And mm-hmm. it's just his summer kind of navigating his family, his friends, and then this other identity. Mm-hmm. And now did you approach kind of his two lives from a costume perspective in terms of like how did, you know, trying to like carve them out or like even if it was just tiny little details, I mean, or, or not at all or. Well, him, I think his character was like not, he wasn't like far enough along in his own journey or identity to where it was going to reflect on his clothing. I think that would have been too much of an admission of something. Ah, Um, and the, the decision was to just keep him constantly in his like heterosexual, super masculine friends world. It wasn't a character that was like consciously living two identities. I see. I see. see Or it's like, there's so much, um, self hatred that it's not like I want to be associated with this other group. So mm-hmm, I'm not willing mm-hmm. to take on any of those aesthetics. Right. That makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and what, and how did you find it working with non-actors? Because it's like, I, I, I spoke to Molly Asher on here who produced mm-hmm. Nomadland and all those Chloe Zhao movies. And I always, you know, non working with non-actors, I think is one of the most challenging things you can do in cinema because it's like, you really have to, you're, you're setting, you have to build such a complete world for them to get lost into, you know? And so how did you approach working with non-actors in terms of, you know, fittings and discussions and just your, you know, your, your general relationship with them? Um, like really, I'm a big fan of like explaining everything, you know? <laughs> Like really start at the beginning, don't leave anything out. And also I think treating them with the same respect that you would a really fancy actor, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. like, even if it's like, oh, I'm still going to share those boards with you, you know? Right. I'm still going to like let you into that process. Um, because you're not just doing that like for somebody's approval. I don't know. It just makes them feel more. You, yeah. I think it's just a good rule of thumb. It's sort of like try to treat everybody with whatever your like highest caliber of mm-hmm, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Being uh, collaborative and like a nice person, but so yeah, trying to treat them really the same way. I think you also have to be extra like hey, you have space to feel uncomfortable. Like it doesn't make you an asshole to say you don't like something. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, like, absolutely. Really spelling that out mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. in a similar way. Like I don't mean to compare the two is very different, but the same way like when kids come in for a fitting where you have to be like, hey, like no one's going to like like you more if you like everything. You're allowed to say. Right, 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 um, right. To say that, you know, and then... I think like letting them into like what my process is a little bit more. 
Mm-hmm. And then, and then some people are very like, oh, I'm not like super interested. Just like whatever you do is cool, you know? <laughs> yes, and then yes. you're like, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> for, for that. And they're like, a, you're coming on a little strong, a little too much information. That's like uh, when, then, when you, th- yeah, that's like when you tell an actor, like it's okay to improv and they go, no, 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 I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. You're, they're like, I, they're like, I'm not like, applying for your job so i'm yeah. not like you tell me what to wear you know yeah um so yeah and, and beyond that i don't think it's like i don't think they're like that different you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that makes total sense um so let's talk about hereditary because i'm like a a super nerd for this movie because I just think Ari Aster is just one of those writer directors that kind of blows your mind, uh, you know, once in a blue moon. Uh, and I mean, I remember seeing the movie in the theater at, with my, with my, uh, good best friend and we're sitting there in the morning and, and Charlie's head comes off in that sequence. And I was like, what is this movie? This is, this is incredible. <laughs> And, and then on top of it, you know, it's such a designed film, you know, it's such a great script and, and the color palette and, and Grace's production design, but also your costumes, which again, it's, it's not the kind of movie where you go, oh, this is, it's a costume drama or something, but it's so specific. And the costumes are so important along with the color palette. And just talk about, first of all, the, the feeling when you read the script <laughs> for the first time and then, and then how you kind of approached it. Um, I remember I read it like uh, Grace was already working on it and she like wanted me to come on board and she set up the meeting and I read the script and I don't think on that one I might not even have had time to like put together a book I think I just like read it and I remember I was like leaving on a trip like the next day Um, I mean very much like anyone watching it it's got like a lot of twists and turns that you like really don't expect you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um i also kind of read it like a family drama Mm -hmm, sure which is i think like then when ari and i spoke and grace and i spoke like that's what we all connected on it's Mm -hmm. like the crazy shit is gonna happen that's Mm -hmm. inherently in the script you know sure 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 Um, sure sure. but let's like sort of figure out who these people are Mm -hmm. um and design it from from that perspective. Mm-hmm. I think for for Annie, for the main character, I'm like that was her name, right? That was so long ago. Now. I think it's yeah. Annie. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was a lot about like demystifying the idea of like an artist. You know. Yeah. Like I yeah. really didn't want to put her in like flowy caftans and like right. s- like super bohemian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I really wanted her to feel kind of grounded and sort of the reality and the practicality of like being an, a working artist and being a mom. And she was also somebody that was going to like put a lot more attention into the things she wears when she's like, pr- I call them like at home clothes, private clothes. Yeah. So like yeah. we built some of her pajamas cause that I felt like that was really, um, I don't know. I felt really specific about that. Like somebody that spends more money on their pajamas, but then has like dirty jeans on, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It absolutely does. Cause her private world is sort of more important than her, than her public world. Totally. So, so that was sort of how, um, 
I kind of approached her character from like those two pillars. Um, and then a big part of that movie was like trying to figure out the, the, the cult, yeah. you know, and, and what that was supposed to be. Um, I think a big like unlocking on that was I had suggested to Ari to make them nude instead of having them in anything because we were like there's nothing there's a little bit of like a lazy cop out but I was also like there's nothing more terrifying you know it's I mean by the way it's the ultimate OG costume designer I feel like move for you to go no costumes totally it's (laughs) so baller (laughs) I said you're welcome It's it's but it's also like I mean it's so many shades of Rosemary's Baby and like totally. Wicker we watched Wick, that. yeah Wicker Man and those it makes a cult real you know which is also this combination of home invaders and you know what like you said what's scarier than kind of I don't know the human body you know people get people are so freaked out by nudity when it's not a cult you know <laughs> when it's when it's not a horror movie so it's it's such a it's such a cool idea um i mean it's one of the scarier parts of the movie you know they're cuz they're just so disturbing uh well i think it's also like you only you know the the script only allows for like so much real estate mm-hmm. time with the cult and so you do and you don't have enough time to like create a whole mythology around mm-hmm. it, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it was a real, like it was a good collaboration with Ari and with, with grace about how to make the family feel super real. Like the, they're real people. They have mm-hmm. their own dramas going on, even if none of the spooky stuff happened. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. also like, how do you make the moments of the film that do look at, at the cult world, how do you make that like not hokey? How do you make it really specific mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, like kind of leave you wanting more? Yeah, no, for sure, for sure, for sure. And and also like the the um, like with Charlie, I feel like her obviously the red hoodie that I mentioned, but also mm-hmm. this kind of motif of, you know, sort of fire and orange. That's th- like, I love the heaters in that movie. Like the heaters are so spooky and weird as a design element. And for, I'm like, Oh my God, that's so right on. And I felt that all through, you know, Charlie with, and then all of her, the, the, the toys that she's making that are kind of bronze. And so like, were you, are you always, I guess to use this as an example, this movie, are do you approach color palette alongside your costumes usually like in the same uh, uh, thought? Yeah, definitely. I think it's sort of the biggest, like, especially in terms of like with production design too, like Mm -hmm. it's kind of your biggest like paintbrush or, Mm -hmm. you know, to use. So definitely like intentional about color. I mean, like in something like, like to go back to beach rats, yeah. It doesn't, you know, that doesn't feel like it has a really stylized, like tight, controlled color palette. Mm-hmm. So you're sort of looking at color in a different way of like, oh, how do I like hit all the notes so like nothing really stands out? Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. like in Hereditary, or like if we talk about First Reformed, where yeah. it is like a super tight color palette. Yeah. Um, you know, the I remember like the hoodie that was the color was like a conversation that grace and I had 
And I was like, what did she, what she, cause I knew she needed to be in like some kind of like cocoon. Oh, thing. okay, cool, cool. And, and why did you, why like, did you know that? Why did you know that? Just wait, where did that idea come from out of curiosity? I remember it was like a photograph that I saw of like a girl in like a really oversized hoodie and that felt right. There's also the idea of, again, like I think a lot of the way I think about costumes is like how we present ourselves privately versus publicly, right? Like how, right. what's our relationship with our clothing and ourselves publicly versus privately? Because uh-huh. clothing is sort of the biggest, um, uh, what's the word? Like it's the biggest thing that we have that, that we change every time we go in and out, right? Like how I dress when I go outside of the house, it's like my biggest, um, it's like the language of how you present yourself outside versus inside. Right, right. For sure. And, um, and that character just felt like somebody that never wanted to be outside, right? They wanted to be in their own world they wanted to be kind of cocooned and protected and not exposed. And so that's why like something like a big oversized hoodie felt right. Like I know I didn't want it to open in the front. Like I really wanted it to feel like a little nest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the color was like from a conversation Grace and I had, and she was like, oh, I think you gotta like think about fire. And And I remember asking like one of our shoppers, to like go to some thrift stores and I was like, and maybe you'll just see like an old (laughs) kind of burnt orange, like no zip, like pullover. And then she was like, it was crazy. It was like, there it was. But then we had to like make a lot of multiples of it and recreate it. (laughs) But, but that's kind of how that, um, how that came about and and like Ari was really great in that he like obviously wrote a really killer script and was really specific Mm -hmm. about how the movie was gonna look and um and all of that but at the same time you know he also was really um kind of let me like play and explore and was really like if you and the actors are cool, you know what I mean? Like yeah, I trust yeah. that if anything was off, he would of course right. um, say it. You know what I mean? I'm not just trying to be like, he, he, what I mean is that like there was the, the script is so specific, but like in the collaboration process, I felt like he was really cool about like giving space to figure out who these characters were visually, you know? Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. I mean, also, like you said, open and decisive, you know, it's like, yeah, it's, it's yeah. the best combo, yeah. open yeah. and decisive. Yeah, I'm definitely going to use that. Let's, uh, let's talk about First Reform, because I, I love that movie, you know, and to me, I, I loved like a lot, all, all of Paul Schrader's work, but I really think there are some movies that I don't like as much as others in his, in his sort of, you know, oeuvre or whatever he would use sure. that word. Uh, but uh, he would just be like, over oh, or, uh, and so that movie to me was like the ultimate Paul Schrader movie because he obviously like he wrote that book, uh, transcendental film. And, you know, he so comes from this religious background. And so I just, it's such a beautiful movie and uh, such a mysterious movie. Like just talk about what it was like to work with him on that film and, and, uh, and to work with Ethan Hawke too, who's so everybody in the movie is great, but yeah, it's a beautiful movie. Um, thank you. 
it was it was a lot less scary right like that was the first time like I've worked with Eliza again since then but first reformed was the first time that I was working with the director the second time mm-hmm. and as somebody who you know at first like I was saying like you want to make a good impression you don't want to say anything stupid it was mm-hmm. like really really comforting yeah. to like because it was the same Alexander is the same cinematographer and Grace and I had all this experience at this point and I had known Paul. So it was like, I think like I could be a better version of myself because I Mm -hmm. wasn't like obsessed with like whether I was going to do like everyone was going to like me or not, you know, (laughs) so I felt more confident. (laughs) And um, so that off the bat was like starting off from a really good place. Um, Paul had given us like a whole thumb drive of movies to watch. So like Grace and I, and what was nice about that film is I think I knew I was going to do it like months ahead before prep even started. Oh, great. So we had this time where like Grace and I would hang just as friends, but we would like watch a movie off the thing, you know? So I didn't feel like, you know how if like prep for a film is like, studying for an exam like I didn't feel like I was cramming I was like oh okay I have time to like yes to like let it wash over you and absorb it you know yeah totally because it's like I didn't grow up with like any kind of religion at all Mm -hmm. really Mm -hmm. like my family's Mm -hmm. Jewish but we never really practicing but certainly like this world was really foreign to me so I Mm -hmm. got to do a lot of research that was like before we even started prep like going to some services, you know, mm-hmm. like, like Grace and I went to like a Sunday service at like a big mega church. I went to this like reformation church in Park Slope and just like went on Sunday mornings a little bit. And that mm-hmm. was super cool just because again, it was like really foreign for me. And I like, it just helped to be in those spaces with those people and to like mm-hmm. understand, I know it's like a really broad thing to say, but like I could intellectually understand the appeal of religion, but mm-hmm. I think until spending time in those services and being like, oh, there's something, well, this is just like a, like a motivational speech, which I can totally get into, or like, right. this is just like a nice sense of community. Like I kind of viscerally needed to understand what the appeal mm-hmm of those institutions was. Um, So I prepped in that way. And then like, you know, my way of researching is always like, yes, you get the books and you research, but like find somebody who has spent their life researching this and like have them as a call of friend, you know? So, because you're never going to learn as much as you need to in a couple of months while like trying to do a whole job that somebody else has done in like a lifetime. So you just like need an alley, like an ally in whatever it is you're doing. Yeah. Their insight has to be invaluable because that idea that you have that you think is right. They'll, they'll be like, Oh no, no, no. It's actually these million layers or whatever in this direction or, you know, their insight is just so unique, you know, on, on top of like your, your, practical questions they give you so much more I feel like you know totally and and also like I think what was interesting for me for first reform like I kind of assumed that like 
there were these hard and fast rules, right? Like you want to open a book and it like a science textbook be like, if you're a priest, you wear this. And if you're mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. type of priest, you wear that. Mm-hmm. And um, I've kind of had that experience to researching like cop uniforms too. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like there, there, there is no hard and fast rule, you know, like you then, and you kind of, you can't, really know that until you talk to somebody so I remember I like connected with like this priest and I explained what I was doing and he was just really generous and and down to like take my calls once in a while Mm -hmm. and so it was actually talking to a human being who you know like was I was gonna say like worked at I'm like I don't know if priests work presided (laughs) over uh like a similar church that was the vibe in first reform yeah yeah, and i could be like hey like could he wear like the alb but not this thing or could he wear the stole but like and this you know and i was so surprised to learn that like usually the answer was like yes you know that there's like actually a lot of room for self-expression based on how much or how little of all that stuff you want to wear and there's like traditions Mm -hmm. but then it felt like a real individual choice so then I was able to like by the time Ethan and I met and talked like I was able to of course he had like done his own research but I was able (laughs) to sort of like speak to like the relationship that priests have with clothing from like the conversations I had had you know so cool. I mean, I'm sure that just excited him. I mean, because he's so good in the film. He's an extraordinary actor, in my opinion. I just, I love how he's kind of this unassuming movie star, you know, but he, but he is undoubtedly one of those guys you watch on film and he's so, he's just so interior and exterior, you know, and, and this movie is so interesting to me because like it, it, it does a couple things that I think only films can do is one, you know, film can kind of, it's like, you know, in, a, in Apocalypse Now, you know, you can feel Martin Sheen sweating, you know, it's like it, it, the way that sweat drips off his nose and, you're there in the location and the space, which I think a great film can do. And in this movie, in First Reformed, you feel the peace of what it is to be in a church. You know, I don't care, like religious or not, when you step through the doors of a church, like it does something to you, right? Of course, yeah. And this movie does that. And then on top of it, you have sort of the design of the film, which is the world, which are these like very static frames. Obviously, Paul and his like Ozu, Brisson thing Mm -hmm. going on. But like- Talk about like, it feels like it was all about, you know, subtraction, you know, in terms of like taking things out both, I mean, obviously on a production design, but from a costume perspective, it felt like it was, it was trying to be as minimal as possible. Maybe I may, I don't know. Well, we, I think like part of what like you're picking up on was like the color palette. Mm -hmm. So like we really made a choice to, they're really like costume wise, there's really like no color in in that film it's all kind of like grays and neutrals and beige and black but it's like as if you're watching a black and white film clothing wise you know um and that was really intentional but then like what was really like cool and interesting for me to like figure out the levels which is that I'm really glad that like that that sounds like it it didn't hit you over the head, right? Like, oh, no, no. 
So it shouldn't be that you're watching it and you're like, oh, they made a choice to make everything gray, you know? Like I wanted it to sort of, you know, be able to be swallowed like you're watching a film like Beach Rats, like it's really naturalistic. Yeah. But if you go back and watch it, there's really no color in the clothing at all. Wow. Um, And it's a very like desaturated world and that's um down to like any there's not a ton but any background you see you know like everything Mm -hmm. is really desaturated yeah and i think that like helps set a mood in um kind of a subconscious way you know i think partly the feeling you're describing is really mostly due to the the way it was shot and the stillness of it and and all of that but in terms of like the clothing aspect of it it was really having a super tight color palette. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that. And I feel like the only piece of color I remember viscerally, because it's such a beautiful shot, is when he's on that shore uh, with, with like the, the, the violet sky behind him. Mm-hmm. At night, you know, like that was like, because it's such a kind of ominous, but beautiful, you know, it comes at a key point in the movie, but you're right. I mean, it, it's, I mean, the movie is just such a, you know, people use, of course, nowadays, it's like, oh, it's a mood. I mean, that movie is a mood. I mean, in, in the it's, best- It's a bummer. Yeah. It's a bummer. <laughs> well, I mean, you know what? I got to be honest with you, because I, I, I've heard Trader talk about this whole idea of hope and despair. And mm-hmm. I have to say, I do love the ending to a certain degree because you don't know what happens. You know, you 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 kind of, I mean, you can you can be like, oh, I, he did this or he did that, but it's, I love that it's so mysterious. You know, it kind of, it kind of reminds me a little bit of like, I don't know, there's sequences in like, there's this Thai filmmaker, my uncle, he, uh, Apichatong um, Weaselthal. He made this movie called My Uncle Boon Me, Who Can Recall mm-hmm. His Past Lives. If you haven't seen it, you should check it out. It's like- I'll, 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 I'll text you about uh, it later. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It, uh, it, but he, it's this movie that kind of deals with Thai mysticism and, and it just leaves you feeling like questioning everything, you know? And I don't know, first reform kind of as depressing as parts of it were, you're like, you kind of understand what he's doing. I don't know. Or, or, or the movie. Yeah. Totally. And I mean, like when I say it's like, it's a bummer and that's like an oversimplification, I think actually like movies that really like capture loneliness are really Uh, comforting. That's, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, but much better said than I do. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Anytime a movie, and I think for me, that's what what first reformed like connected with, you know, is I think it's like a really like a a, a study or portrait in like loneliness and people trying to connect with you and you rejecting them or you trying to connect to an institution and it you know like like that, but but really like loneliness and whenever I think it's done really well it actually leaves you feeling comforted that you're not mm-hmm. the only one that feels that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in some ways it's, it's not a bummer because it, it does that really well, at least for me it did. Yeah, me too. I mean, the other movie that I, I, I have to bring up cause I, I had not seen it prior to like us getting ready to talk is Tiger Tale <laughs> and talk about like, like a movie that about loneliness to a certain degree. It's like, I, I mean, I love, uh, Alan Yang, you know, I love his series, uh, you know, what was it? Um, forever, which I just thought was like oh, genius. Yeah, I love the ending of forever. Yeah. Genius. Just like a beautiful, beautiful show. Uh, I'm so with you. I, I, no one saw that show, but I was like, this is the best. I was telling everybody. Uh, but 
this movie Tiger Tail, which is basically kind of Alan Yang's kind of it's a it's a period retelling of his sort of father, I, I believe his parents kind of immigrant story. And it's shot on 16, which you feel right away, you know, the grain and everything. And and I guess talk about, you know, designing two very distinct periods and also, you know, t- uh, Taiwan, like it's such a period Taiwan, which is so specific and, and so interesting. And it just, that movie to me was so emotional. And like, I, I watched it yesterday. I'm like, it's sitting and crying in the middle of the day. It was like, the, <laughs> but, but at the same time, I felt so great at the end of that movie, but I guess talk about working on that movie if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think I connected to it and with Alan also from having like an immigrant experience, you know, um, like you and I talked about, like, mm-hmm. like that sort of, um, I don't know, the like clashing of two worlds was like something I was interested in and, and um, I could understand. And then it was just like a lot of research, right? Like that was one that was like, I was like, I don't want to fuck this up. <laughs> so like a lot of research and there's actually like really great um archives of photographs from that time period in mm-hmm. Taiwan it was just a lot of research it was like I thought like such a fun world like color wise once I started oh, yeah. looking at all those photographs like you know I think a lot of times we want to like say you know it's always interesting when I see even like photos of my family from the 70s and they're like in the Soviet Union but they're wearing like mini skirts and it's like bright you know and you like think of other countries as like always being under some kind of or at least from an American perspective like under some kind of like sepia cloud you know Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. like no you know there's there was like color and there was vibrancy and and especially those characters are like teenagers and they're falling in love like that it was the opposite of first reformed in terms of like let's open this up you know yeah i mean it felt to me like like that whole sequence where they're first falling in love and and her you know the sort of tea dress it was like so in the mood for love you know like like, that was definitely like the reference that um that alan had and that was like um that dress, like what you're when they're at the bar dancing, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. that was a dress that was like a real like labor of love to make, but it was a to do. like we got to Taiwan to shoot all the Taiwan stuff, oh, and wow. we tried to like search for fabric to build that, and I couldn't quite find anything. And ended up, um, this woman Kay was working with us who was so helpful. She was from the States, but she like helped introduce me to a friend of hers who was a designer in Taiwan and he helped us like print that fabric. So that was like a print that I had painted that we got printed on fabric and then built like it was, um, I, it was just a stressful ride for a little while, <laughs> but I was happy with the way that one came out. Cause that scene was so, so specific to Alan, you know? Yeah, it's so beautiful. It's such, a, and when they're running through the kitchen and then through the night, I mean, it's really a special scene and and a beautiful movie. And and I guess like just to talk a little bit about building clothes, you know, because mm-hmm. so so did you? So I mean, how do you, you know, where do you come down in terms of like being able like finding costumes versus building them, and like particularly period stuff? It's like, do you 
prefer to try and like, are you trying to like find the fabric from then to make something now? Or do you think it's like, no, no, you should, we should make this period piece with sort of the material we have now. So it's more like an interpretation of the past, you know? I think it's um, like I, when I was assisting, I used to work on Boardwalk Empire and I worked as their like swatcher. Like I would find all the fabrics. Wow. For, for them. And that was such a like, crash course you know yeah because they were so good about like really staying true to like there's no stretch in that fabric like staying true to what the materials should be but using wow. modern day fabrics you know oh, well, okay, so it's like wow. what is the you know because you're not going to find like silk from that long ago that can be durable and hold up in filming mm-hmm. but but like those fabrics are still produced. And of course there's like some fabrics that are really special that are hard to find, but sort of maintaining like that kind of level of like integrity as you're picking fabrics, mm-hmm. that was like the best place to kind of learn that uh, on, you know, cause they really didn't compromise and really stayed true. Yeah. Um, in terms of like building versus finding you know a lot of it is like practical I think like every designer would be like oh my god if I could I would build everything because then it would be like a total totally like of my choice Mm -hmm. and of my mind you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. I think sometimes also you find pieces that are just like really good. And you're like, I don't know why this, it feels like it belongs to this person, but it does. And it already exists. And it's nothing that I could have ever dreamed of. So like, mm-hmm. thank you universe, you know? <laughs> um, but then there's other times I think like you just have to pick and choose like which moments you really want to build mm-hmm. and that you're, you kind of have to think about it like from a practical point of view of like, am I going to drive myself and my whole team crazy trying to find the perfect thing Yeah, where we could just use that energy to be like, no, let's just start from scratch and build exactly what we want, you know? Right. Right. For sure. For sure. That makes total sense. Okay. I have, I have two last questions for you because I've already taken way, way too much no, of your time. No, it's okay. I just don't know whether to plug in my computer or not. I'm living on the edge of power. <laughs> <laughs> you're running, you're running with scissors. Yeah. Uh, the first, like, the one question is quick, which is, is there a film that you wish you had, you had, you know, past or present that you're like, oh my God, I wish I had designed that film or, or, or that, you know, that like something that you're just, you just are in awe of. Uh, um, I don't know. I'm not going to say one film, but I guess like, I like love really big, like oldie timey musicals. Like okay. I love a big, like colored sort of you know like I just love Mm -hmm. big old musicals and so I think also because it would be like a really like sort of in contrast to how I've been like I'm listening to myself talk and I'm also connecting that too that like I've really been working from this like really character driven super Mm -hmm. like personal let's connect as human Mm -hmm. beings kind of place, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that I think there's like, that would be something like really different. That would be really fun to sort of design in a, like a broader stroke in that way, you know? Right. Yeah. 
That makes total sense. Have you ever seen The Red Shoes? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, that movie. Unbelievable. Right? Uh, yeah, it's the best. It's like those guys. I love the, 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 the archers, all their movies. Like if you've never seen A Matter of Life and Death, Mm-mm. oh, check it out. It's so okay. good. It, yeah, it's really, really something. Uh, so, and then and I guess the last question I wanted to ask you was, you know, if you have had advice for anybody, you know, students or otherwise who sort of wanted to do what you do, um, how, what would you say to them? Um, I would say get that phone a friend, you know, (laughs) like just like to connect. I don't know if it's like talking to somebody at what point in their career they're at, but I think, um, the more you can like find people who you trust and who you're not afraid to like ask stupid questions to, like gravitate towards those people and mm-hmm. like they're gonna like bail you out when like the opportunity comes and you need a little um you need a little help and I think just um I don't know there's there's like so much of like the film industry that could feel really like um exclusive and mm-hmm. I think there's so much of costume design if you think of it from like a purely fashion perspective that Mm -hmm. feels really exclusive and all of it can feel really like intimidating and out of reach and it's like I mean I'm not saying anything new here but like it's all just like people that Mm -hmm. are trying to do the best they can so like the sooner you like look behind the curtain Mm -hmm. you know and realize there's like no Wizard of Oz there it's just like probably a guy in a basket, then, then it's like less intimidating, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well, <laughs> thanks Olga. I really appreciate you doing this. Oh, it was really nice to, it's lovely to talk about myself. No, I could do it all day, but no, you're, <laughs> you're a very good interviewer. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks. Thanks a lot. No, this is fun.